Good morning, listeners. I hope today finds you well. My name is Wilson McCoy with the College Hills Church of Christ here in Lebanon, Tennessee, and I want to thank you for listening in on our weekly radio broadcast. This broadcast is one of a few different options that we are currently providing as a way for people to stay engaged with our congregation or come to know our congregation a little bit better. This is one option that we offer every week along with an online streaming service as well as an on-campus gathering. If you would go to collegehills.org, you can find out more details about all of these different opportunities for engagement. You can find past sermons and worship services on our website, and we would love for you to get to know our church a little bit better through that website. But at some point, we would love for you to be a guest at our congregation. We are journeying through a series that I am calling Ministry Under Pressure, Clarifying the Mission of the Church. And as we have said in previous weeks, we are journeying through 2 Corinthians, which is this letter of Paul as he is in an event and in a situation where he finds himself under pressure. Specifically, his own ministry is under pressure because he has some opponents that have arrived at this church in Corinth since he has left, and they are challenging his character, they're challenging his ministry, and so 2 Corinthians grows out as a kind of defense of Paul's ministry. He's trying to tell them what's most important to him. The church at Corinth is also under pressure in that they are being pressed by these various leaders, as well as pressed by all of these previous cultural values that they held that they're trying to move away from now that they are following Christ. And so they too find themselves in a place of much pressure. And so Paul's letter clarifies not just what is most important to his ministry, but in doing so, Paul also clarifies what should be most important to their church. And I believe the things that he identifies throughout this letter are helpful reminders for us as we too find ourselves in a situation where many of us feel a lot of pressure. So what should be most important to us, to our lives of faith, to our communities of faith? And I think 2 Corinthians gives insight into that question. Today, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23, into chapter 2, verse 11, 1, 23 through 2, 11. Paul writes these words, I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad, but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, so that when I came, 
I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I rode out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. God, thank you so much for this morning, this new day, and this new week. And I pray as we reflect on these words of Paul that you would pour through me the gift of preaching and that you would pour through me a word that is faithful and true to who you are and to who you're calling us to be. God, I pray for those listening this morning that you would continue to work in their lives, continue to bring about transformation, and continue to Help us know your love more and more deeply. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This past week, I heard the story of a woman who bought a parrot for a pet. However, after purchasing the parrot, all the parrot did was treat her poorly. It insulted her. Every time she tried to pick it up, it would peck at her arm. And so one day, she got fed up with the parrot, and as it was insulting her, she picked it up in a moment of frustration, and it continued with the insults. The parrot screamed at her, you're ugly, I can't stand you, and it continued to peck at her arm as she carried it quickly into the kitchen. Once she was in the kitchen, she opened the freezer door and threw the parrot in, closed the door, and from inside... The parrot was still going on for about five seconds. Then it was suddenly quiet. She thought to herself, Oh no, I've killed my parrot. And so in a rush, she opened the door and the parrot just looked at her. So she picked it up. Then the parrot said, I'm very sorry. I apologize for my bad behavior. And I promise you there will be no more of that pecking. From now on, I will be a respectful, obedient parrot. Please forgive me. Well, okay, she said. Apology accepted. And then the parrot said, thank you, but can I ask you something? To which she said, yes. What would you like to ask? The parrot looked at the freezer and said, what did the chicken do? Now, I thought about adding a laugh track at that point in the 
opening of this sermon in case that you are not laughing at this lighthearted story. Apologies to all of the parrot lovers out there. But I read this story this past week and found myself chuckling because while it is a lighthearted story with a lighthearted ending, it also lightheartedly talks about something that we all know to be true. It's an amusing reminder that when it comes to relationships, be it with pets, be it with people, be it with spouses or children, relationships can be messy and difficult. And relationships, for them to last, have to involve forgiveness. Forgiveness is essential for relationship to thrive. Forgiveness is one of those things that is needed if you want a relationship to go well. Forgiveness is essential in any relationship. Parents, you probably understand this better than most. I'm still learning this lesson with a new child. Within the first 20 months or so of her life, many, many times I have had to learn the lesson of forgiveness. It was the same lesson my mother had to learn with me. I still remember the story that my mom tells about me. The one day, she was taking me and my sister to elementary school, and something my sister did made me angry, and it provoked me. And I don't remember this happening, but supposedly, in a fit of frustration, I grabbed my sister's lunchbox, rolled down the window, and tossed it into a nearby field while we were driving to school. (laughs) Now, I was punished that day. And no, mom did not throw me out of the window, thankfully, but eventually, of course, my mother forgave me. And to say the least, and probably not surprisingly, this was not the last time that she would have to forgive me for doing something unruly as a child. Parents, more than most, learn early that they have to exercise forgiveness Often, people who have spouses understand the need for forgiveness in relationship. My married friends, along with myself, have often talked about the fact that after we got married, very soon after we got married, that there were moments, be it during the wedding day, be it on the honeymoon, be it in that first year of being newlyweds, that you have to forgive your spouse and learn to forgive your spouse. You learn quickly that they are not perfect, and they learn very quickly that you are not perfect. My wife says to that, amen. Because spouses know that if they don't make that space for forgiveness, then the relationship will grind to a halt eventually. Because if parents don't forgive children when they mess up, if children do not forgive parents when they mess up, when spouses don't forgive each other, or whether a boss never forgives an employee or employee never forgives a boss, wherever there is any type of relationship, it doesn't last over the long haul. It cannot exist in a vibrant way if there's not forgiveness. Yes, there's times of hurt, but there also has to be times of forgiveness 
for a relationship to exist and continue. And this truth is most real and often most difficult with the relationship that we call the church. (laughs) Because the church is a relational body. The church is often referred to as the body of Christ. In other words, it is this intimately connected group of people that form this community of faith. But we are all very real people. We all are imperfect beings. And so when we come together as the church, there are going to be times of hurt. And so it's essential that for the church, there also needs to be times of forgiveness for our relationships to exist and continue and to thrive. One of the reasons I appreciate our text today is because it's a text where Paul is basically saying, it's time to forgive. We don't know much about the backstory of our text today. We don't know who this man is who caused all this pain. We don't know what he did that hurt both Paul and the church. We know none of that. But what we do know, he did something that caused everyone pain. We do know that Paul sent a letter before this one that had said, punish him. We do know that because of the community's rebuke, he is currently in sorrow. And we know that Paul is now telling them it's time to forgive and restore him. Yes, there was a time of hurt, but now... There needs to be a time of forgiveness for this relationship to continue and exist. Why? Because forgiveness is essential for any relationship. But if there's another thing that we know about forgiveness, it's also that it's very painful. Forgiveness is painful because when we're in relationship with another person, There can be times that are painful and difficult. Paul does not hide this fact from us in our text today. In fact, the word pain saturates our text this morning. Paul knows that to be a part of a community can hurt at times. Paul knows that to be in relationship hurts. It's painful to him that other leaders are coming in and stealing his flock. That's what's being done to Paul, and that hurts him. It's painful, as Paul knows, and as many of us know, that when someone sins against you, it hurts. It's painful to grieve, to be sad, and to be distressed because of the actions of another person. It is painful and difficult to be in community and to be in relationship. And I think this is especially true because so often in our culture, forgiveness is not necessarily a popular path. Our culture seems to run on slogans like, revenge is sweet. Our culture produces and praises movies like Gladiator and The Godfather. Not much forgiveness in those. Our culture has websites that 
can help people think of ideas to get revenge on an ex. Our culture often tells us that getting revenge or holding a grudge is the best way forward. And often we're told and encouraged that it's easier to just see the over something and to focus on the wrong and the person who did the wrong and pile on the person who did the wrong, marinating on it over and over and over. But very little in our culture encourages a spirit of forgiveness. I don't want to make light of the difficulty and pain of forgiveness. A few weeks ago, we had a special service at our local church, and the theme of that night was forgiveness. And I told the story about how a week before, I was in the office of a co-worker talking to him about my struggle to forgive, that there have been situations and individuals, people and groups of people in the past that I have struggled to forgive. I've held on to things. I've marinated on things. And it's not always easy for me to release. It's not always easy for me to do anything but resent. And as I was talking to this coworker, he listened to me and was very kind and generous in giving me some space to vent. But as soon as that conversation ended, I went back to my office, went about some work that I was doing, and then another coworker came in and told me that he was planning a service for the very next week, and he wanted me to speak on the topic of the difficulty of forgiveness. And I looked at him and I said, were you eavesdropping on my conversation with our other coworker?" And he assured me that he wasn't, and I mostly believed him, but I thought the timing was quite interesting and telling. It was a God-timing moment for me, because literally five minutes earlier, I had been confessing this struggle of forgiveness. I had been talking with my coworker about the challenge of forgiveness and the very next conversation, only minutes later, I was asked to speak about that very thing. And so this topic of forgiveness that emerges out of our text this morning feels quite fresh in my own life. It feels quite real and difficult as I read these words of Paul, because I know that Sometimes church is one of the hardest places, ironically, to practice forgiveness with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And and those words of that very well-known hymn feel so true in light of this text and topic this morning. And sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs. I love that part of the song because it sums up the complexity of community. It it sums up the complexity of church. It's a complexity that Paul recognized, especially when it comes to forgiveness. 
but it's painful. It's never easy. And yet the thing that I have to constantly remind myself is the thing that Paul alludes to, and that is forgiveness is at the center of our faith. The story of Scripture is the story of a God who creates humanity to be in relationship with Him. Communion. Community. And even when humanity rebelled against Him and forever impacted that relationship, God continued to pursue. Pursued in order to be in relationship with humanity. And so He calls out a people, Israel, and pursues them when they rebel. He even sent His Son, Jesus, in order to restore that relationship and to show another way than the path of rebellion, but instead the path of restoration, the path of reconciliation, the path of forgiveness. The story of Scripture is this story of a God who forgives us, who shows us grace so that we can be in relationship with Him. And God's willingness to forgive us, to show us grace in the form of Jesus, that cost Him something. That was a painful experience for God. God willingly endured pain and love so that we might be forgiven. God's forgiveness is this painful necessity for relationship. God's forgiveness is this difficult necessity that we see in the body of Christ. God's forgiveness is is difficult, not just in the life and body of Christ, but even now, today, in the life and body of Christ, the church. Because we're still called. We're still called to have this act of forgiveness, this way of forgiveness in our life today, the body of Christ, today, the church. We were called to reflect this same forgiveness so that we might grow more into the body of Christ. When I spoke at this special worship service a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that I confessed was was not just that I struggle with forgiveness and that I was asked to talk about the struggle of forgiveness, but also reflected on what God was teaching me in that timing. What was the timing of these events supposed to remind me of or teach me for the first time. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that one of the things that it was teaching me was the need to simply name the struggle, the need to simply say, forgiveness is difficult. But the other thing that I realized and felt like and feel like I was and still am being taught is that forgiveness being difficult is part of the point. It's part of the point because it is through that difficulty that we are transformed. It is through that struggle that we actually become a true community. 
that we actually are in true relationship with each other. Paul's message is still the same, that Paul is desiring Corinth to be a community of faith again because he knows that you can't have community or relationship without forgiveness. And Paul knows, yeah, it's going to be hard to forgive this man who hurt them, but but it is a misunderstanding of the Christian faith to think that it is an easy path that Jesus modeled in his ministry of forgiveness. And for the church, for us to, to not be reconciled to herself, for the grudges to continue, for the barriers to stand high between us when we are divided instead of unified, that only lets Satan win. Because when we are not in relationship with one another, Satan's winning. And that's a powerful thought, that, that our unwillingness to forgive, Paul tells us, is Satan's preference. Because Paul knows that when we're divided, we can't be a reflection of the body of Christ as well as we can when we are unified. We too easily become ineffective. We too easily become stale. Forgiveness has to start within the church. And only when it starts in here can it actually extend to the rest of the world. I mean, how can we forgive our enemies as Jesus commands if we can't forgive our other brothers and sisters in Christ? I love the story that my friend told me recently about a church he worked with several years ago. And in the congregation, there were these two shrewd businessmen who were at odds with each other whenever they were not at church. The rivalry and the barriers grew between them and their families, and the fact that it was a larger church allowed them to avoid each other. But then, one Sunday, unexpectedly, during communion, they happened to be sitting right behind each other in the service, And as the trays were being passed, the church was taking communion, and this one man turned to serve the person sitting behind him, and it was that fellow rival businessman. And there, as one served the other communion, as they took the bread and the cup together, they were reminded of who they were, brothers in Christ. And in that moment, they begin weeping and apologizing right in the middle of the service. And over the next few weeks and months, through much help of the rest of the church, they came to forgive each other and were reconciled. We must be Christ here as the church before we can be Christ to the world. We must realize that sometimes we do laugh together and sometimes we cry That forgiveness is hard, it takes time, it's painful, but still, we are a part of God's family. I could not help but think this week about how forgiveness in our church makes us distinctive in our world. And I wondered if if what it means for the church to be countercultural right now is for us to model forgiveness to each other and then to the world. 
Because in our forgiving, as we learn this practice of forgiveness, we are becoming more and more like our Father. We are becoming a greater and greater reflection of the God we see in Jesus. Ministry under pressure, clarifying the mission of the church. At the heart of Paul's letter, at the heart of Paul's understanding of what it means to be the church, is to be a reflection of the God we see in Jesus, a God of forgiveness. So we, as we remind ourselves in these times of pressure what's most important, let's remember the God that we follow, the God with whom we are in relationship with, has forgiven us so that we might forgive one another. Amen.